been in since since you moved from Indiana. It's in Leviticus chapter 11. Oh, none of you have moved from Indiana. Leviticus chapter 11. I've retitled this message and the three in front of it. So we're, we're titling it more than you can think. I like that. I like to think right. And the, the best times to think to, to be glad you think right is after you've just had a bonehead play of bad thinking. We called it assumption the other night is where you assume something is true. We've all been burned by assumption. We've all been burned by assuming something was so acting on that as if it was so and finding out it wasn't so. Y'all say amen when you catch that. I need I, I need y'all to be, you know, going about three, three miles an hour before we pick this up. Leviticus chapter 11. What a strange scripture. Verse seven, 11, seven. Boy, this is this is in the middle of nowhere. And the swine, though he divide the hoof and be cloven footed, yet he cheweth not the cud. He is unclean to you. So he's differentiating between swine and cattle. Because the cattle choose the cud, doesn't it? Of their flesh shall ye not eat and their carcass shall ye not touch. They are unclean to you. These shall ye eat of all that are in the waters whatsoever hath fins and scales in the waters in the seas and in the rivers. Them shall ye eat. And all that have not fins and scales in the seas and in the rivers of all that move in the waters and of any living thing which is in the waters, they shall be an abomination to you. Say old covenant. Now oh, this is old covenant. And you know... The Lord did this not because he had rules and regulations, but he couldn't talk to them. The people were not born again. They were dead in their spirits. They were dead to God. So he had to treat them like children. That's how you and I raised our children. We couldn't reason with them. We couldn't, we couldn't tell them at two years old. Now, when mommy puts the car in D, that means we're going to go. And daddy couldn't say, now this is a 12-gauge shotgun. I want you to know the difference between it and a 410. And you know, it's like, you, you can't talk to little kids like that. You just tell them, don't you ever touch this. And that's what he was doing. He said, don't ever touch this. Because there was trichinosis and there was all sorts of things that were in the, in the, the culture that they couldn't, they couldn't defend against. So he just said, everybody, don't do that. Uh, turn with me to 1 Timothy. That was Old Testament. That was the rule. Well, why aren't you obeying the rule in the Bible? River Church, why are you eating bacon and pork chops? Why are you in there and saying this is good, good? First Timothy, why are you rising up and rebelling against the word of the Lord? Well, the Bible's got two parts to it. And it's not just part B, a continuation. Where is Timothy? First Timothy four. So it's not just one part and then two, but a lot of people before they get saved or right, right after they get born again, no one tells them there's two parts to the Bible. 
So they waller off into Leviticus. They waller off into Lamentations. They, they wander off into stuff where it says God killed this man and he killed those people. And you go, wow, that's how God is. And so they, they go public then, these people, these movie stars and stuff, they go public and they rail against Christians because they say your Bible says God kills people. But there's, there's a New Testament. And the New Testament fixed the Old Testament because no longer are we servants or godless, but we're children that have grown up. We are the brother of the Lord Jesus. Romans chapter 8 talks about that he is the firstborn among many brethren. So there's something changed. You weren't a brother to the priest back then. So it says in 1 Timothy chapter uh, 4, verse 1, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. What would that look like? Speaking lies in hypocrisy. That's what would be in this day. Having their conscience seared with a hot iron. And here's what it looks like in detail. Forbidding to marry. Did y'all know there are big churches, big movements, big, big, uh, lots of people belong to these churches that forbid their priests to marry? You go, well, that's just what they believe. Well, here it says that it's uh, seducing spirits and doctrines of devils to forbid to marry. We're just reading the Bible, y'all. Yeah, we're not passing judgment on it. It just says they forbid to marry and command to abstain from meats. Wow. They're saying it's holy. These people that are in seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. They're saying that we aren't allowed to eat meat, any kind of meat. That's how you're holy, they say. Well, that's how you were holy. But after Malachi, we got a whole nother deal, don't we? Jesus came on the scene. And after the new birth came, everything changed for us. It says, uh, God, which he explains abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Let's go on a little further. For every creature of God is good. Oh, no. Every creature? Well, some stuff, it's lawful, but it's not profitable. If you eat a pound and a half of M&Ms, it's lawful. But you're liable not to feel too good by three o'clock. <laughs> Every creature of God is good and nothing, nothing, nothing to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving for it is sanctified. It is sanctified. I have a little line around it, a little circle around it that goes up to verse three where it says meats and it, the meats is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. Now that's New Testament. So something changed from the old to the new and everything that changed from the old to the new, it's in the new. He tells us this is the way it was, but this isn't the way it is. Not everything changed. Some things didn't change, and there's no scripture in the new to say this changed. One thing that changed is worship. Jesus said it's a new kind of worship. 
said, you used to worship on this mountain or that mountain. But now that they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So we don't go somewhere like the Muslims go. They go to their place and the Jews go to their place still. But we don't go to a place. So it's different. It's different. Things are different. So we got to discern and not get Old Testament. When we first started out, we we loved, I mean, way back, 82. And we would sing Jewish songs. Nothing wrong with that. We were enthralled with the Jehovah names, Jehovah Shammah, Jehovah Rapha. We were totally absorbed by that kind of information. But it was all Old Testament. And we would kneel and bow before the Lord and stuff like that. But it changed. Now, none of that's wrong. You, it's not sin. But he said now that we, we don't, it never says in the New Testament to bow before the Lord. Servants bow. Think about it. Servants bow before their masters. But the Lord Jesus, I mean, he's our master. He's our Lord. But we're family. We are sons of God. And so we don't bow as a servant because if they didn't bow, they, they'd get whipped or, or sent away. So now we, we praise him by the giving of thanks, the lifting of our hands and the giving of thanks unto his name. Isn't that what Hebrews says? That's how we worship. That's one way we worship. So it's not sin to go back to the other, but it's useless. The Lord's not interested in that. He's not interested in us bowing and, you know, squalling on the floor. Well, I'm going to get into something. I'm going to get in trouble here. I, I need to keep moving. Hallelujah. Isaiah, can you go slipping back to Isaiah? Let's look at another example. I said all that to say this. I'm not here to teach on the, the, the dietary law or anything like that. But, but you do. We all need to be aware of it. That just because it's in the Bible doesn't mean it's you and me. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. So now we don't need the blood of bulls and goats. He was a sacrifice once and for all. So we don't have to go back and visit that. We don't have to go once a year to the temple and, uh, and show up and have the priests, you know, work on us. Jesus made an eternal entrance into the Holy of Holies for us. And that's where we go. Uh, where, where are we going? Isaiah. Isaiah 55. Now, here's, here's one that'll it'll put your underwear on the, on the other side. Hallelujah. This, people are not going to like, you're not, they don't like this one. But it's in the Word, so we're going to tell it anyway. Uh, verse... Uh, Okay, Isaiah 55, verse 7. Let's look at that. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. That's all good. Then he says in verse 8, the Lord declares. He said, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Now that's just a staple of doctrine. That's just a, a, an automatic. We always want to go back to that and say, God is big, God is good, God is smart, and we're, we are just worms. 
We might not say worms. We might not say unrighteous. We might not say old sinners saved by grace, but it's all in that family. However you dress it up and, and, uh, and put perfume on it, we're saying that we're one thing and God's the other because he said it. And then in verse nine, he said, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Well, interpreting Bible scripture, you always have to look up to back to who's saying it and who are they saying it to? Because there's scriptures that God's saying to the Jews that aren't to the church. And there's scriptures that he's saying to the heathen and not to the Jews or the church. So you got to figure out who he's talking to. You know, if you're a man, you have a 10 year old son and you're out in the front yard and your neighbor comes out and you say, OK, Johnny, mow the grass. Or if you just say, Johnny, or you just say, mow the grass. Well, you, the guy next door is saying, who are you talking to? I'm not mowing your grass. And you would say, I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to my son. That wasn't a good example, but you get the point. Hallelujah. So the Bible, you have to find out who he's talking to. He's talking to the Jews here. My ways are higher than your ways. Well, yeah, but, uh, uh, but Jesus changed everything. He changed who he were. Old things passed away. Behold, all things became new. That's either in there or not. Well, it's in there. It's true. Uh, in Job 121, let me just read this one to you. It says, and Job said, naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, do y'all believe that's truly recorded? Job said it. But just because Job said it, does it make it true? It doesn't. He just truly, it was truly recorded, but it wasn't truly said. Because the Lord doesn't give and then take away. Well, it's in the Bible. Well, it's the Old Testament. And that's what Job thought. And if you read to the end of the book, in chapter 42, Job had changed his song. Paul, in, in Corinthians, talks about uh, uh, that the, the Lord gave a, 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 a thorn in the flesh to me. And three times I asked him to take it away. Well, that's the very doctrine that Paul brought to the New Testament church is who we are. And then he, he, he caught it. It's truly recorded that he said that. But it's not true. Because then in the next verses he talks about, he said, uh, in my weakness, am I made strong? Your grace, I'd have to read it to get it straight, but... It, but he said, that wasn't true. What I said, I, I asked the Lord three times to take it away from me. Because whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever we loose is loosed on heaven. We speak to the mountains, say, be thou removed. What things soever we desire when we pray, we believe we. So all of that, Paul said, whoops. It's truly recorded, but he said, whoops. He said, oh, no, my, the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. You speak to the devil. You speak to this ornery spirit that's come. And that's what he did, and he got free. So it's truly recorded, but everybody wants to go back and just take that thing out of context, don't they? Yeah, well, he, the, the Bible says, well, uh, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. That's quoted all the time. But it's not true. It's truly recorded, but it's not true because Jesus changed everything. You used to couldn't eat pig, but now you can eat bacon morning, noon, and night. And the Lord said, I like that boy. 
Amen. So uh, Isaiah said, my, uh, he quoted, he said, my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth and so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Well, he was talking to a people that only could think, could only think in terms of reason and strategy. We talked about this Wednesday. That's that's all they think. That's what your that's what your children. That's how you thought before you were born again. You thought in matters of experience, history. I've been here before and this is what I did. It didn't work out. So I'm going to do it this way or I've learned this. I've learned that we, we do it by knowledge. We do it by wisdom, our own getting along the best we can, making the best life we can. But that's that's not how God thinks. God's not in the experimentation mode. He's not in the let's try this mode. He operates by a whole different system. So he told those people that didn't operate in his system, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are way bigger than yours. But that's not true anymore. People will quote, you know, that our righteousness is as filthy rags. That's Old Testament. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's not filthy rags. I got front row seating. The word says in Ephesians, we're seated at the right hand of glory. That's not filthy rags. That's not nasty. But that's what it says in the Bible. But it's Old Testament. And something happened. A new covenant was wrought, not with the blood of bulls and goats, but with the precious blood of Jesus. So everything changed. So that means that even though we have the Old Testament and we can work out of it for everything that didn't change, we have to stay with the New Testament and everything that did. I'm a new covenant man. I'm blood bought. Sin has not got dominion over me. Now that'll blow them up. I, I sinner saved by grace. That's what you are. No, I'm not. I'm not a sinner. Well, you sin. Well, just because I stand in the garage doesn't make me a car. This is critical to understand this. And whole denominations do not. They just, they just mix them all up and throw it out there. So Jesus changed everything. And, and God's thinking was higher than our thinking. His ways higher than our ways. But let me just stretch you out there a little bit. I, <laughs> now we live by revelation. Put it in first person with me. Now I live by revelation. Say it with me again. Now I live by revelation. I don't, I don't live by the seat of my pants. I don't live by trial and error. I don't live by we'll see how this works out. I live by revelation. That's what he said uh, in. Uh, let's go to Ephesians chapter three. You knew we were going there. It's just the long ways. It's just the long way around. Revelation. Let me just say this. This you'd agree with this. Revelation is the God kind of thinking. Not not the way the sinner thinks. It's the God kind of thinking. He never thinks about, he never thinks according to knowledge. 
well, this happened and that happened, therefore I'm pretty sure this is what's going to happen. He never goes that way. His ways are without compromise. He thinks by revelation. He is revelation. So when we have a thought from heaven, it's a thought of heaven. Isn't that what faith is? Think about it. I, I got this this morning at breakfast. I had to go in there and rewrite the whole thing. Faith is revelation. Anything you and I know, and we say, I'm in faith about that, but we can be detoured or delayed or put off or discouraged or, or disappointed. Anything that, that is able to get into our so-called faith proves, proves it's not faith because there's just a few things about faith that are non-negotiable. Number one, faith knows. Faith knows. Well, I'm pretty sure. Well, you're not in faith. You're in pretty sure. Pretty sure is not faith. Well, I've added this up and thought about that and I've seen the way it should go. And so I'm in faith about this end. I just don't know how God's going to do it. Oh, it didn't go like I thought. Oh, that's not faith. That's conjecture. That's assumption. That's speculation is what we, we call it at our house. Speculation. We're, we're against speculation. <laughs> speculation will get you in trouble. Yeah, yeah, almost every, yeah, he does. It gets me in trouble, that's for sure. Hallelujah. So anything, if uh, the faith knows, faith makes plans. It's like, well, we got to wait until that comes to pass before we can make plans because what if it doesn't come to pass? Oh, you don't know if it's going to come to pass. That's not faith. Now, that's all sorts of things, and they're not all negative. They're not evil, but they're, it's just not the God kind of faith. The God kind of faith is based on when you see it and you know it. And you have to have your mind renewed because people have seen things and known things that was against the Bible. I think I'm supposed to marry three women. Oh, I don't think God gave you that. Are we okay on that? Revelation is the God kind of thinking. Well, what if he gave us his thinking at the new birth? And so we have, we still have the ability to think out of our head. We can think depressing thoughts, unfaith, uh, thoughts that are against faith. We can do all that, but we can also dip into this down here, the mind of Christ, the spirit man, the real me. God deals with this down here. He, he's not a mind. He's not a body. He's not dealing with, well, I, I'm feeling a little tingly, so that must be the way the Lord telling me to go here and do that. He, he never has tingled somebody for a signal. Even in the Old Testament, they would have to go out and they'd put a, a piece of fleece, a piece of fur. They'd put it out in the outside. They'd go to bed in the morning. If it, was, if it had a dew on it, it was saying one way, and if it was dry, it was saying another. And you go, that's crazy. Yes, but that's all they had. They, they had the Urim and the Tumen, where they would throw these bones and casting lots. And they would say, well, if it's this way, it'll come up that way. And so they would do that. But that's not who we are. And we're not the people that believe God moves by how the, how the landscape moves. Well, the, it, it, this happened. That must mean the Lord is this. Or she said, 
She said she liked me, so I think God's saying we should get married. That'd be speculation, wouldn't it? <laughs> That'd be trouble. That's not how God does. Do it. Get married. Go, go, have a, go have a big time. But just don't say you were in revelation about it. And you can live below revelation and you can do pretty good. But there's always one part in your life that you go, wow, that, I didn't do pretty good that time. Y'all know about those times where we steered out into the ditch? Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to read that. It says in verse 20, now unto him, because we've already read verse 18 and 19 so many times. I hope you heard that. In verse 20, he, he brings this to bear. He drops this, this nuclear thing in the middle of our thinking and our our planning. It's, it's called the Bible, the Word of God. He said, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Wow. It put a whole new dimension. It took out the back wall. Well, this room is 10 by 12. Well, let's take out the back wall. Oh, now this room is 10 by 1,000. The Lord wants us to take out of the walls of our thinking, which is right up here. It's the prettiest part on some people. Maybe the prettiest part on all people. Right up here. That's where we think. And we're completely and totally reliant on this part here to analyze on our senses, our five senses. Or our memory, which is our experience and on a natural wisdom of being able to put two and two together. This happened, that happened, therefore I speculate that this is going to happen. But that's all this can do. And like I said, we learn the system. We become streetwise, we become churchwise, we become businesswise, we learn the system. And there's certain things we get along pretty good. But when you go down into here, and you wait on this, it's a little more trouble. It's not as instant at first. But if you wait on this, it will come. It's called revelation. Flesh and blood hath not revealed us this unto thee, Simon Barjona, but my Father which is in heaven. Oh, heaven. Spirit to spirit. We are spirit people. Even our body. As much as we caress it and love it and feed it and pamper it and spray cologne on it and all that, I said, you are, you are one handsome animal. Hallelujah. You look in the mirror and just say, you are pretty, pretty, pretty. It's not even going to make the cut to go to heaven. The Lord said, Let's, we're leaving all the trash behind. Get a new body. He's not nearly as impressed with our bodies as we are. Exceeding abundantly above. I looked it up in the Greek. I knew you'd want to know. And it means the very chiefest. The very chiefest. It's an extreme word. It means the absolute top, the absolute most important, the absolute top. It means very highly. It means more than. It means over. So exceeding abundantly above is an extreme word from heaven. And actually because it is a heaven word. That's how heaven is. It's, ex it's exceeding abundantly above what we could ask or think. Do y'all believe heaven's going to be that way? Y'all yes. be like, ah, I've seen better places in California than this. No, you'll never say that. 
It's heaven put into your spirit man. Now, when you are a sinner or if you are a carnal Christian, you don't know much about this. You're living out of the old covenant where we just think. We're living out of knowledge, out of learning, out of education, out of experience. But the Lord has a higher way and he just trashes all of that stuff. Say trashes. Yeah, that's a hard word to do. Everything I thought I was and was smart and important, he just trashes it and says, I want you to live out of this down here. Well, what's that, Lord? It's revelation. When you need it, it'll come. But until it comes, you don't have it. So faith is that thing that when you see it, you buy in. I've got it. That's what happened at the new birth. One day you didn't just figure it out and say, well, based on the dynamics of this and the trigonometry or that and the physics of this, I, I believe that. Sir. No, you just you just knew I am born again. Well, let me talk you out of that. No, nope, can't be done. I'm living. It's a revelation. Once you got the baptism, of the Holy Ghost, almost all of us or a lot of us or some of us or a few of us or maybe nobody questioned us speaking in tongues. And we, we tried to figure out if we could do it. And you, but then one day we got revelation. That's really me. That's really the Holy Ghost. I really am filled. I'm really full of God, wall to wall and ten treetop tall or whatever. It's a wonderful thing to get revelation. It's always, listen, life changing. Because this whole outfit is living in this world. And this little outfit down here is living in that world. And it's bringing it in. Revelation is where we all want to live. Oh, I want to go to heaven. Well, heaven is just an extension of what God has prepared for us down here. That was good. You can have heaven on earth if you'll live in Revelation. But if somebody, somebody hurts your feelings, oh, I'm distraught. They hurt my feelings. You're not living in revelation. Well, I don't know if I'm going to get the job and everybody else is getting laid off and I don't know. And my, this thing that's going around and my kids are coughing a little bit and I don't, you're not living in revelation. Doing a good job in the world, but it's not where we're supposed to live. Oh, hallelujah. The word according, I looked up that according to his, Excuse me. Uh, according to the power that worketh in us, it means after the manner of, which that's just English. But the word power there, according to the power that worketh in us. Well, guess what word that is? That's that dunamis thing. And it means miraculous power. Oh, I thought he was just going to kind of nudge us along and help us and make things a little easier. No, it's miraculous power. It means mighty Wonderful work. So it's, it's one of those words when you look it up in the dictionary, the Greek dictionary, it just goes on and on with superlatives. It just thinks of the most extreme words that you could use in the English language. And it says that's what that word means. So we read it in English sometimes and just go through it like, well, God said it'll be better. It'll, you'll do good. We're, we're missing it. It's a stop your life. Oh, my word. The Lord has just told me that I have a supernaturally powerful day of heaven life on earth 
and I dominate everything and everything is under my control for my life. If I want to be poor, if I want to be supplied, it's up to me because of his dunamis, mighty working power that's already in me. Not coming, not going to be qualified for, not going to be good enough for. It's already there at the new birth. The new birth, the new birth, the new birth. It came in. Well, I thought I just got fire insurance when I got saved. Just, just going to go to heaven. That is the least thing. But it's what interested us back then. Because the preacher was, you know, he was throwing fireballs at everybody. Take a little brimstone here and take a little hellfire there. And you go, I surrender. I get saved. But that's, that's, but then you're not, you didn't go to heaven. You got 50, 60 years still are here on earth. And this is where the sinners are. And this is where the devil has power. And this is where the flesh is rampant. And we got to live in that, even though we're citizens of heaven. He said, ah, I brought heaven back down to you. If you'll read the word and understand and walk by revelation, you can live just like on he in heaven, just like that on earth. Oh, God, that's hard to believe. He said, not many will. Not many will. Not many will just read the word and say, I'm going to change my whole life based on the arrangement of black ink on white paper. I'm going to become a radical. I'm going to go wild-eyed. I'm going to change everything because of some words in a book. That's right. Because faith takes hold. Faith takes these words in your spirit, man, and brings life into you. And everything changes. Don't you just love the word? It is exceeding abundantly above what we could ask or think unless we give ourselves into faith. You can't believe this with your head. You will not believe it. You will not act on it. You will change nothing in your head. So it tells me that all of us, all of us, because we do not have this life like the word describes, we simply have not believed it. Because we didn't want to change. What do, you, ah, well, what do I have to give up? Everything. Oh, check back with me next week. 1 Corinthians 1.30. But of him are ye. Listen, listen, listen. There it is. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus. What are we? Who, uh, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Who are you in Christ Jesus? I'm wisdom. The wisdom of what? Of God. My righteousness, it's of God. My sanctification, my separation from sin and the old man that I was. My redemption, totally redeemed, not just the good parts, all of me. It says in 1 Corinthians 2.16 in the Amplified, Oh, it just went straight there. We have the mind of Christ and do hold the thoughts, feelings, and purposes of his heart. That's what it says that you are when? Right now. Well, when we work up to it, I'm in the third grade, but when I get to the seventh grade, I'll have more, more God will, you, no, right now. Right now. Every baby, Elizabeth, 
trace, every child has all the muscles, all the brain cells, all the nerves that you and I have at 80, maybe more by then. We don't, we mature those things. We are quickened in those things, but we already have all those things. In the new birth, we got it all. We got the faith of God. We got the grace of God. We got the peace of God. I'm just praying for the peace of God. Oh, it's in there. It's already in there. It's not coming from afar. It's not in the mountains. You may, you may have other things in your senses that you get in the mountains, but it's not the peace of God. You took the peace of God with you to the mountains. And you looked at some green leaves and said, isn't God good? Well, he was whether you were looking at green leaves or the desert. Hallelujah. Uh, I looked. I, I just want to briefly say this. We looked at the top 10 richest America, Americans in 20 and in 21. So a couple years ago. And we discovered from Wikipedia and from uh, it was all over. It wasn't just one source that these uh, Top 10 richest Americans in one year added $731 billion collectively. So the 10 of them, they said, how much did you add? I asked $70 billion. How much you? $38 billion. How much you? $100. They all added them up, and it was $731 billion increase. That means they were still eating. Increase which works out to $1,260 per second per billionaire. Now, you can't get your head around that either. Did I say $1,260 per second per billionaire? So that meant every eight seconds, the 10 of them added $10,000 a piece every eight seconds. These men or women, whatever it is, these men, every eight seconds, 1,001, 1,002, those kind of eight seconds, every eight seconds, they added to their net worth $10,000 a piece. And so that means that uh, uh, 10 of them, every eight seconds, all of them together, get this, increased their wealth $100,000 every eight seconds. Whether they were in the kitchen cooking or on the potty or in the, the tennis court, wherever they were, as time got marked off, they added $100,000 to the 10 of them every eight seconds. You go, that, that can't be. I'm telling you this is in the earth. I'm telling you this is what men have done. I'm telling you this is natural. God's going to have to giddy up and step up if he's going to beat what they've done naturally. You think, well, God don't have any money. Oh, these men do. Now, that's the point right there, is if they have reached a number that we can hardly even fathom, $100,000 every eight seconds. It's more than that for Elon Musk. This is the average of 10, the, the little boy, the middle boy, and the big boy. But Elon does more than that. I didn't even look it up. So if God's done that on the earth through men, what has God got? He's got more than what you got. Wherever you are this morning, family, whatever you're doing, God is not stretched. He's not thrown back by your request to say, Lord, I'd like to be the 
the most supplied Christian in my family. What was what's that look like? Well, I'd have to have a hundred thousand dollars every year. He's going, well, I'm doing that every eight seconds. I can do it for you in a year. I'm trying to exhort you to love and good works. Let's talk about the Bible. Because I'm going to show you precedent. I got 21 minutes. I'm going to show you in the Bible where it's already here. That this isn't something that we just speculate on Ephesians 3.20 or on 2 Corinthians 9.8. We're not just saying this could mean or mean that. Let's talk about the richest man that's ever lived. Who would that be? Say Solomon. Oh, he was a Bible boy. Oh, he was one that... He claims God made him rich. He didn't, wasn't in the wine and drug business. He wasn't in a cartel thing. He was in the God business. And they say, I looked it up and it's secular, but they say there's been some really rich boys over the last 2,000, 5,000 years, but that Solomon amassed $2.3 trillion. And when you go there in there and read what he had, and what, the, what they brought him, I forget, 1,460 tons of gold every year. They hauled him in. Uh, his stables were made out of gold. I, he, he couldn't, he stacked it up so much. $2.1 trillion. One, one, they, they disagreed, this is the little one. They all said he had at least that much. Second Chronicles 1.11 says, God said to Solomon... Because this was in thine heart, and thou hast not asked for riches, wealth, or honor, nor for the life of thine enemies, neither yet hast thou asked for long life, but hast asked for wisdom and knowledge. Say, I can do that. that. Yes, sir. For thyself, that thou mayest judge my people, over whom I have made thee king. Wisdom and knowledge is granted unto thee, and I will give thee riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had, that have been before thee, neither shall there be any after the like. So they just put it together and said, well, here's what the Bible says that Solomon got this many tons of gold and this many jewels. Cedar, if you read about cedar, cedar was the main wood back then. You could do anything with cedar. He gave away 10 cities to somebody and they brought him all the cedar that their land could produce. So cedar, he was a, he was a wood magnet mag, mag person. So we got Bible precedent. You won't be the first one. And you will not ever be the richest one. But you can get real close. You can get down to... Well, let's hit it at 1.9 trillion and stay under Solomon just, just to keep the Bible straight. Listen to this in Exodus 36. I'm talking about exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think. You're thinking too little. I'm thinking too little. This boy has squandered a lot of years of thinking out of my head. And you go, well, how'd that turn out? Ooh. Ooh. It's about time I woke up. 
It says in Exodus chapter 36, listen to this. This is way Old Testament. This is Exodus. This is the book after Genesis. This is when they're coming out of the land of Egypt and they're all messed up. They're squirreled up from this way to that. And they get out in the desert and God says to Moses, I want you to build me a tabernacle. I want you to build me a U-Haul temple, you know, that we can break down and move over and put up. And I want you to know about me every week, every so often. I want you to put this thing up and put my holy things in there. And I want you to come on Saturday and I want you to make a whoop-de-doo. And so Moses put the word out. We're going to build God a tabernacle. We've been in Egypt 430 years and there isn't one. So he told them how to do it. He's told Moses. And they spake unto Moses saying, <laughs> The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded to make. And Moses gave commandment. Oh, what was that? We need more. No, he said they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp saying, let neither man nor woman make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing. What do you think about that, Exodus? Restrained from giving for the stuff they had. I like that word stuff in Exodus. The stuff they had was sufficient for all the work to make it and too much. Say too much. Too much. Now this is B-I-B-L-E. This is old covenant. This is the old way of doing business. And God was able to get past all that stuff and put it in the Bible. In Acts chapter 8 verse 39. I'm just talking about supernatural stuff here. Stuff that you're not doing yet. And this is early church. It says, and when they were come up out of the water, this is Philip and the eunuch, the spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing, saying, well, I wonder what that was all about. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. He got translated. He was here, and then he was there. Now, that's exceeding abundantly above what you've been asking and thinking of. Ah, the calculator says it'll take three hours and 20 minutes to get there. Pack a lunch. No. Now, that is the lifestyle of a people that need that lifestyle. When you get so busy with the kingdom, with the, with the things of the kingdom... That there's just not enough time. There is not enough time to do this. Ah, there is enough time. Just take travel out of the factor. Just get finished here and be there. David Hogan tells stories. Y'all know David Hogan. He tells stories about showing up in Guatemala and them saying, oh, glad to have you back, Mr. Hogan. And he said, I've never been here. He said, oh, sure you have. You just forgot. He said, no, I've never been to Guatemala. Oh, yeah, you have. And he argued with them. And they flipped through the books. And they said, well, here's your signature. You checked in in April of three years ago. And you checked out eight days later. And they researched it. And he did a big crusade down there. But he was translated in and translated out. And didn't even have memory of it. Oh, uh, that's a little suspect. Well, Philip probably thought so too. Then in Matthew 17, now here, we're just talking about a few things. I just went in there and 
picked out some. Matthew 17, this is, this is gospel. It says, uh, verse 27, notwithstanding, the Lord Jesus is talking to Peter. He said, do we owe taxes? And he said, no, sir, we don't because the, the, the free men are exempt from taxes. He said, notwithstanding, lest we should offend them, even though we don't owe, go thou to the sea, cast a hook, take up the fish that first cometh up, and when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money that take and give unto them for me and thee. Oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, there's no money and it's due. What are we going to do? Oh, there's an exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think. You hadn't tapped it out. You've just tapped out this up here. Ah, I heard Uncle Jack was not feeling good. Maybe, maybe he'll be gone by the weekend and we can read the will by next weekend. You think those thoughts don't happen? Absolutely. Because that's how this up here thinks. It's your prettiest part, but it's also your ugliest part. So he just said, go, go catch a fish. How outrageous is that? How, if he said, he said, go into a corner of a certain building that I know about and lay and pick up the brick and move the stone and get under the rock and there is something, it's in a fish. It's in a fish. Nobody could say that anybody did that or had anything to do with it. It was totally off the natural sphere. It was totally had to be heavenly. If, if the fish having a coin in its mouth wasn't God, go to the house. There's hope for us. There's hope for you. There's hope for me. That, that my sphere of, of supply for the future to do exceeding that I have all, here it is, all sufficiency in all things, abounding to every good work. Well, what's, what's that going to be? My, my parents don't have anything. My job is just, you know, paying the bills. And, and how am I going to have that to do that? Ha! It's everywhere. You just, you just hadn't seen it. Because you've been thinking, I've been thinking along a rational, methodical, reasoning mode of thinking. It's hidden from you because you can't get there up here. You can't. You can't get there. You'll never get there. You'll think, think, think and dream, dream, dream. And you'll never figure out how God could do it. But one thought down here, just one measure of heaven coming loose down here. Suddenly you're a whole new person because you've got the answer to every question. Oh, well, what question was that? The one you asked. Lord, I want to serve you. I want to do for you. Not, Lord, when you bring some cash, we'll talk. That's not it. I'm going to serve you with all I have right now. I'm going to serve you. I, I get paid this much, and on Friday when I get paid, we're going to go do this, and we're going to do that for the kingdom. I'm going to, you do that. And he says, I got a job for this boy. Faithful over a few things. Master over many. Administrator is what the word says in Matthew 25. Administrator. Well, why didn't he pick up on some spiritual people? Spiritual people are the ones that live out of down here. They're not the people that are driving the big cars and living in the big places necessarily, or that read the Bible or have a TV, national TV program. Well, they're on TBN. God's going to use them. I've seen TBN. No, it's you. 
It's you because who's coming to Tuscaloosa? Who's coming to Alabama? We are that in the, the world's minds, the U.S.'s mind, we are that forsaken place. I think it's hilarious. There's 32 prophecies that God says, I'm going to make it the first place. I've got them. I've got the prophecies where God says, I'm going to sneak up on them. They never saw Alabama coming. I got just a minute. Can y'all hang on just a minute more? This thing is big. You're going to have to think big in a small place. You're going to have to believe big because this is little here. This is little. I went to convention. There was 10,000 people there and boy, the revelation was flowing. Maybe not. Maybe it happened in a still small place. Maybe it happened where there wasn't anybody to applaud and zoom in the cameras. Maybe you caught the key to the rest of your life that fulfills you and sustains you and gives you worth to who you are besides just having a, a, a position or a degree or, a, or a, an authority. Maybe, maybe that's not the it. Maybe the world's already doing that. And it's not making them happy. They retire just like that. They're not wanting to do it all their lives. Oh, I want to do this till I'm 90. I want to sell widgets until there's no more widgets. No, everybody's out of there because that's not it. That's not, that's not what it, that's not it. So I wrote down some things that I thought you might ask about. And since you didn't ask, I said I'd bring them anyway. You have a revelation capacity. And I want to talk about that just a minute. I want to, I want to, I want to pastor you just a few, for a few minutes. Some of this isn't in the Bible, but I, it's in wisdom. We have a revelation capacity, and the Lord's always looking for room in your life to bring revelation. But there's just so much capacity. I promise you, you can only put, pump five gallons into a five-gallon can. Oh, I need more. I'm going to put ten in this can. No, you're not. And you're not going to put it in your life. So how much room you leave for revelation is how much is coming in. If it's coming at all, but I mean no more than that's coming. You go, no, God's got plenty of room. Well, I, I wrote down, Revelation is the door to the suddenly. You know, we talk about suddenlies all, all the time around here. Well, Revelation is the door. Once you see it, you can seize it. Until you see it, you're, you're in a room that has a string on a light, but it's up above you and you can't, you, it's dark in there. But once you see who you are in him, then you know what you have in him and you know what you can do in him. Until you know who you are, you don't know anything. Let me just tell you, until you know who you are in Christ Jesus, you, are, you and I are clueless. Oh, I'm going to take healing to the world. Well, who are you? Well, I'm just an old worm. No, you're not. You're not doing anything. Your whole project, your whole assignment in life from heaven is to find out who you are. Then revelation about what you can do and what you can have is on the other side of that. But there's no, there's no need in asking him for money or for, for health or anything based, based on something besides who you are. Lord, I got I to get up and go and I got to have money to do it. He said, I'll fund that. 
I'll fix that and I'll fund that. So revelation interrupts your life. It's like a gift of the Spirit. Y'all know about the gifts of the Spirit? When they come, they just interrupt. You're not sitting here thinking, gift, 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 gift. You're not thinking that way. It just comes and all of a sudden you know things. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, prophecy. You know things that you didn't know. Well, how do you know that? I, I don't know how I know that. It just came. And that's how revelation comes. It just comes. Suddenly, you know what you didn't know. So you can have what you didn't have. And you can do what you couldn't do. It was always there. It's not like God beamed it down. It was always there, but you couldn't see it. Until you had a revelation of who you are. So that's what we do around here all the time. We talk about who we are in Christ Jesus. That's all we talk about. You may think that I talk about other stuff, but everything goes back to that. Because it's the key that opens the door. You know, you can put your shoulder on a 300-pound door and, and never get in. Or you can put a three-ounce key in the, in the lock and boom, it opens. That's what we're after. We refuse to struggle. We refuse to cope. We refuse to, to, to get along in this life. Well, Jesus has helped me get along. We're suffering, but we're, he's helping me. No, he's not. The key to the kingdom is to know who you are. Then you speak to the mountain. Then you... Y'all get the point. I got to go on. There has to be room in your life for revelation. Oh, God, come in any time. I'm ready. No, you're not. Uh, when you fill your life, when I, and I say you, I'm talking about all of us, so don't get hung up on my pronouns. But when we fill our life, listen, this is important. This is revelation. When we fill our lives in the soul realm and commit our schedule and commit our lives and commit our emotions and commit our relationships to worldly things, we just top it off. We fill it up till there's not space to do not one more thing. Then there's no room for revelation. You can't, you have to say no to things that come along. Nope, you don't belong in my life. You'd be fun and I've always wanted to do you, but I don't want to do you anymore because I'm leaving room for revelation. I'm leaving time on my schedule. How many people do I talk to and I say, yeah, what about this? I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm committed. I can't go. I can't do. We're, no, 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 no. All the time. And that's just my little exposure. People are full up. They are cram packed full. And so revelation comes like a meteor out of heaven and it just goes thump. It can't get in because you're full thinking about this, thinking about that. That's why I've been telling you for years, you've got to cut some relationships off. If they're not in the orbit that's serving you or that you can serve them, they're just taking up your capacity. And you, you go, well, it's not hurting anything. Sure it is. You don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you're missing till it's just not there and you need it. I think I'm preaching better than y'all are acting. So we tend, we, we tend too much to the history in our life, the experience in our life. Oh, I hadn't seen them in so long. Oh, I wish I could do this. And we pine away for things that were pleasant in our past, thinking that that's where we would like to go back because that was a pleasant time. Not realizing that that was nothing compared to what's ahead in the Lord Jesus. Nothing. 
just, just get you a room full of folks that have devils and have diseases and have needs. And you get in there and by Holy Ghost, you ministered all of them and set the captives free. The Bible says over and over that Jesus went into a city and he healed them all. Well, that was just saying, here's an example. This is an example of what I want you to do. It wasn't to say, look what he did. He only said that. It's only in the Bible to say, you go and do likewise. Well, he healed a few. Well, I'm healing a few. No, he healed them all. Oh, the mark is still up there then. I haven't reached it. I haven't. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'll tell you this. This is just my little old me. But I think we're too secular. I think we're, uh, we, we're trying to solve secular issues when the secular are there to do secular issues. You don't have a right to complain about our government, about our people, about anything until you've prayed about it. You have no right to complain or get disgruntled and the government just does this and they never do that until you've prayed about it. Well, that went over big. Okay, wind that tape back, Barry. We're going to have to redo that one. That, that one didn't go over so big. I wrote this down. It's kind of, there's no room for more, so there's no room for more. When there's no room for more, there's no more room. You go, how will I know that I'm full? We'll talk to you and say, you're just nervous. You're just like, ah, oh, my calendar, I got I got to get, I got to go, got to, got to take care of. My life is full. I got to pick up the kids and I got to go by and say hi to hell and I got to whatever. When was your quiet time? Oh, we ain't got time for that. Everything's scheduled. Did I just step on your toes? Because that right there is the whole extent of your capacity for revelation. How come God doesn't speak to us? Because we're full up with the world. And we're not of the world. We are in it, but we are not of this world. And they will never solve their problems until Jesus is the source of their answer. So you hadn't got any, well, let's vote Republican and let's vote Democrat and let's whatever. I say still, vote right. Vote right, yes. Come down on the side of, of the issues and morality and abortion and all. Come down right about that. But we are not investing our time in that. The Bible says that we're to pray for them that are in authority. What else have I got here since I'm already... Babe, would you start the car for me? Hallelujah. I, I put down there's no free space for revelation to light in. No free space. We're just covered up. Get your calendar out and say, when's the next time you got three hours free? Not this month. Because we have these contingencies. If I get some time, I'm going to do that. And if I get a loose place, I'm going to do that. Now, I'm, you know I'm not talking about everything. You know I'm not talking about stuff that's important, that's right, that's good. We're not talking about living in a monastery and just... Being secluded up in the top tower, waiting on God. We're not talking about that. You know I'm not talking about that. We're talking about balance. We're talking about uh, having a, uh, we live in the world, so our senses are at full tilt. 
but, they, but the world can't have all of me. Because I can't dominate the world if the world has all of me. You all oh, got troubles. Sure you do. Because you hadn't got room, you hadn't got capacity for God to give you wisdom or an answer to... to I put down... Uh, oh, personal crisis. I just scribbled these things. Personal crisis. Only responding to your personal crisis. You ain't got room for nobody else's crisis, which is how yours will get solved. When you pray for others, Job tells us that you get yours answered. The word says in Peter that uh, men can't get their husbands, can't get their prayers answered if they don't treat their wives right. Oh, well, what's right? Well, I don't beat on her and I don't tell her she can't have the car. Oh, so you communicate with her and you, you, treat, you treat her as an heir of life? Well, no, it's a woman. And you get all sorts of screwy thinking and your prayers don't get answered. And so you live a secular, carnal, natural life that has secular, carnal, and natural problems that don't have answers. And you go, why, are, why is the church just like the world? Bingo, no revelation. So I say, because I've said plenty, there are challenges, listen, listen, there are challenges that God has for you and me to solve, to be involved, that we can't even know about because we've booked that space out. You know, it's not like you get a post-it note that God left on the refrigerator as you're going through. You have to stop. Not just stop. Fasting's not just not eating. Fasting's a time, or whatever, don't even have to fast, but where you draw aside, and all fasting and all that stuff does is it neutralizes your senses. And it says, let's think about the laundry, let's think about the grass, and you go, no, I am locking you out, and I'm going to find out what God has for me, and I'm just not going to do anything else, not even going to think about it. We're going to turn this part of me off. And we're going to wait on down here. Now, this is kind of meaty. This is kind of meaty. But the church, we're the highest thing that's in the order of the kingdom of God. If you don't bring it here, where would you bring it? We're not just a little church with a few people that do this and do that. We are anything and everything but that. We are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, of whom he is head. We do it his way. We are not rebels to say we're going to have church our way. This is our church. We're not. And you can tell all the people that said, but we want it. They're not here. Amen. So what are you going to do? What am I going to do? Well, I've, I've committed to some things. I said, I'm not going to be so fast. To fill up my life with junk mess. I'm just, no. I love you. We had a great life together. Our history is wonderful. But you were for a season. I was for you. You were for me. But I'm not talking about your wife. Now, I'm not talking about your marriage. You know that, don't you? You know that. 
we're talking about relationships out there that are in some orbit. I've looked up all my old roommates and all my old buddies from wherever, and I've given every one of them a chance to hook up with me, that I would invest in them, that I would, and uh, there wasn't anybody. So I kind of proved that out, that once they're gone, they're gone. So I'm looking for what God's got new. Because people can come into your life and they can bring the revelation. I'm bringing it to you this morning. Can I be so bold to say that? Now we're, we're stepping out there on the water. Saying there's a better way. We could keep going our old way and not rock the boat. This is going to rock the boat. Because you're going you're gonna to step in some things you never thought the Lord would ask of you. And it's going to be plain old scary. But it'll be the best time of your life. So, Lord, we thank you right now for helping us. You are just such a help for us, in a, a present help in time of trouble. But, Lord, you're a present help in the good times. So we thank you this morning for speaking to our hearts. Holy One, we are so excited that you've got material and attention in our life to speak to us now. And we will be bold. We will be brave. We will say no to that and yes to this. A new set of priorities so that you will have first place in our life. And we will not live like mere men anymore. We will not. We repent of, of living a secular, human, natural, carnal life. I repent of it now in Jesus' name. All over the house, under your breath. If that's, if that's you... Repent of it because it's not going away just because you saw something new. We have to repent of it. We knew better, but we didn't do better. So, Lord, we repent of that. That was the old man, and I, that's not me anymore. And I thank you, Lord, for giving us all a fresh start and putting us where you've designed us to be. It says, you, you said, Lord, you have set the members in the body severally as it has pleased you. So, Lord, we want to please you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.